You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. My name is Matt Biller. For those of you who don't know me, I've been a member here for about 11 or 12 years, just about as long as Pastor Ben and Jessica have been here. And I am not one of the pastors, but it's okay. I'm a doctor. (laughs) Uh, I recently received my doctor of psychology degree, um, December 7th, thank you. And uh, (coughs) you really should be applauding for my wife because she got me through it, so. (coughs) She got her um, PhD, put hubby through. I don't know if you've heard of that one. It's not original with me, but it's a good one. So I was approached by the board to share today uh, as a way to give our pastors some rest. Our pastors work very hard. They've been going through a a long season of uh, church growth and also a little thing called a building campaign. I don't know if you've heard anything about that at all, a little bit. Don't worry, I'm not talking about finances today. Okay, so... Um, If we could go to that first slide, please. So when the board approached me, I thought, sure, I'll do it. And if you don't like what you hear today, this is just more proof that membership matters (laughs) because the board asked me to do this. And if you don't like it, then vote for different board members. I don't know. So So this is a gift to Pastor and the Gateway Church team. Uh, There is more to the team than just Pastor Ben. Uh, we have two other pastors. Uh, we have um, Bonnie, the church secretary, who puts up with a whole lot because she works with pastor. <laughs> and I love pastor, but uh, Bonnie is a servant to all of us. She really is. And Larry is a, a great guy. Her husband, and who was a board member for many years. Uh, we have Mary Hardy, who is our bookkeeper. And she and Dennis are faithful, loyal gateway folks. And then all of our board members as well. And so I just, uh, I hope that you enjoy this. And I hope that I can pull it off without crying. So we'll see. I might though, but we'll see. It's kind of a trait. It's in my family. I don't know. Okay, so let me see if I can get my notes going here. Okay, so let's talk about rest for just a moment. You almost get two sermons in one today. How about that? So rest is important. It's a big deal. Let's go to the next slide, please. Um, my word for the year of 2018 was rest. I work at Winning at Home. I'm the director of the Counseling Center in Zealand. And Dan Seaborn, who many of you hear on WJQ at times, uh, Family Moments, I think it's called, a little one-minute spot. Uh, I'm a counselor. I'm a therapist. And as a staff, we are challenged every year to have one word to focus on. And I've had the word listen about three times, and <laughs> I hope that's not my word this year, but God's like, you haven't learned it yet, so you can keep learning how to listen, and pray for Cindy, please, by the way. But my word was rest, and I don't really like the word rest because it's a four-letter word, and I don't like to rest. I like to, to do. I like to keep doing and working, and I don't like to rest, um, but I, I learned quite a bit about that. That's not what I'm preaching on today, but rest is very important, and we don't do it very well as Americans. In fact, um, Americans are probably the worst at it. We don't, we don't rest. We don't, most Americans don't use all of their vacation days. Let's carry it over to next year, so we'll be tired when we get there. <laughs> um, so uh, we don't rest well, but God's first example to us in Genesis about how to live was to rest. Six days he created everything, and on the seventh day he rested. It's not because he was tired. He's God. He doesn't get tired. He stopped. Rest just means stop. And so our pastors, at the blessing from our board, were told, just stop. Just don't even come this weekend. They're not even in the building. Pastor, I think, is driving back from Florida right now. I don't know where the other people are. Um, I hope they're resting. Because they have a heavy load, and they have a great responsibility. Um, James chapter 3, 
verses 1 and 2 talk about how many of us should not assume to be teachers because those of us who teach will be judged more strictly. And so I'm like, great, now I'm going to be judged because I'm up here teaching today. So um, it's a big deal. When you are in leadership, God looks at you differently. He requires more from you. And our pastors, as I said, have, have, they do carry a heavy load. They don't just show up on Sunday and, you know, Pastor Bobby just doesn't pull a few songs out and, and make it sound good. And there's more that they do than just on Sundays. And they work hard for you. They pray for you. Um, elsewhere in First and Second Timothy and also in Titus, the pastoral epistles, they're called. Um, scripture speaks highly of wanting to seek after being in leadership, but also that there are many requirements. Our board members, there are a lot of requirements to be a board member, to be an elder, to be a, de a deacon. And so we're blessing our pastors today by doing this. And I just want to say, you know, Pastor Ben and Jessica, Pastor Bobby and Kyle, Pastor Bruce and Brittany, they're amazing people. And I hope that you've come to, to get to know them more than just a high or a bye or a handshake on the weekends. Um, with our church uh, growth and building project, uh, Pastor Ben, you know, he's a very close friend of mine, and I'll just tell you, do you realize what we've pulled off here, what God's actually done? We built a one point, what's the number on that? 1.4 million? Rick, is that close? 1.4 million dollars. We didn't borrow a dime. Okay? <laughs> that's, that's crazy. For a church our size to do that, that's a God thing. And I'll tell you right now, there's really one person who is most responsible for that. It's Pastor Ben. He is a diehard Dave Ramsey guy. <laughs> and, and most of us are too. And our church is positioned to really be able to impact the world because of that. Our board has said, we're behind you, Pastor. We're, we're not going to borrow a thing. We're going to trust God for all of it. So we, uh, we love our pastors. Okay, real quick, a couple of verses out of uh, the book of Ecclesiastes. You can kind of follow along behind me. This is from the New Living Translation, just about the, the need for a season for rest. I won't read the whole thing, but um, Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1 says, For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. And most of you are familiar with this passage. I'll just pick out a few phrases here. There's a time to heal. There's a time to build up. There's a time to quit searching. There's a time to be quiet and a time to speak. There's a time for peace. And they're running all those verses behind me here. But there's a time for rest. And, and I thank God that we can help our pastors get some of that today. Um, I actually tried calling pastor. And he didn't pick up. <laughs> I'm like, hey, I'm preaching. He's pick up the phone. But he gave the whole staff very strict orders to turn their phones off, turn their email off. And he took his own advice. So <laughs> he's like, I'm praying for you. I'm like, okay, I have questions. But that's all right. I'll do it anyways. So um, let's go to the next slide. So Solomon is one who wrote Ecclesiastes, and in the end, I'll read this. This is from the message. Uh, Solomon says, but in the end, does it really make a difference what anyone does? I've had a good look at what God has given to us to do. Busy work, mostly. True, God made everything beautiful in itself and in its time, but he left us in the dark so that we can never know what God is up to, whether he is coming or going. I've decided that there's nothing better to do than to go ahead and have a good time and get the most we can out of life. I think Pastor Ben has read that one a few times. <laughs> that is, that's it. Eat, drink, and make the most of your job. It's God's gift. And we'll talk about what our job is in a moment. I have also concluded that whatever God does, that's the way it's going to be. Always. No addition, no subtraction. God's done it, and that's all. That's so we'll quit, stop, rest, stop asking questions, and simply worship in holy fear. Whatever was, is, whatever will be, is, that's how it always is with God. 
Amen? All right. So, let's get on to the real sermon here, huh? All right. So let's pray real quick. Lord, we thank you for today. I thank you for this message you've given me to share with these people in my church, and I pray they would receive it, that they would hear it from you, that I wouldn't get in the way, but I would just be the, the person who delivers it. We pray for our pastors. We ask that you would give them rest wherever they are right now. I pray that they would begin this new year just like you have given us as an example to begin each week from a place of rest. Would you give them what they need? Would you re-energize them? Would you refocus them? Would you lead them and as they lead us? In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I didn't want to preach this sermon. I mean, I wanted to share, but when I went to the Lord and asked him what I should speak on, he told me I should speak on love. And that's another four-letter word. I'm like, what are we doing here, Lord? Okay. So I'm a truth guy. I'm not really a love guy. <laughs> I'd much rather tell you the truth than love you. And I think that telling you the truth is a way of loving you. And you have to realize I'm a therapist, okay? So people come to me with all their problems. And I have to try to help them figure out how to live their life better and their relationships, okay? Um, and so I wanted to speak today on personality because that's just something that I do. And I love personality. It's fascinating, and I'm kind of a nerd. And love just isn't that exciting, really, unless I'm talking about my wife, but that's a whole other thing. So we're going to talk about love today, and I entitled this Resolve to Love. So let's go to the next slide. So this guy named Billy Graham, you might have heard of him. Anybody? Yeah? Okay. So Billy Graham is probably the most successful evangelist in all of human history. Okay? Like actually leading people to Jesus, coming down to an altar, making a response to receive salvation is Billy Graham. I don't think anybody probably has outdone that guy. Probably never going to outdo him. Okay? And he said this. He said, it is the Holy Spirit's job to convict. Come on, keep up with me, brother. Here we go. <coughs> it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict, God's job to judge, and my job to love. And is Michelle Boss here today? Where's Michelle? Well, thank you, Michelle, because I saw this on Facebook or something. And so um, there's three things here. Our job is to love. Okay, now this isn't scripture, but it is. But Billy Graham said this, okay? It's our job to love. It's not our job to convict people. I tell people um, that I counsel oftentimes, I'm not, the Holy, I'm not your Holy Spirit. But <laughs> you might want to stop doing that. Or maybe you should go have that conversation that's really hard to have. It's my job to love them. It's my job to love you, to love my family, to love those who don't know Jesus. I'd rather convict people. That sounds more fun. I don't know. But I'm not the Holy Spirit, okay? I, and, and I don't think any of us want to admit this, but we're all pretty good at judging, right? But we're not God the Father, so we probably shouldn't do that. But we are to love because we're supposed to be like Jesus, right? Amen? All right, let's go to the next slide here. So, um, Love is very much misunderstood. And what's kind of funny about this slide, Bonnie, don't be mad at me. I actually had the slide say love misunderstood, M-I-S-S, -S, like a person, like her name is misunderstood. And so Bonnie, when she made the slide, she fixed it, but she didn't really fix it. <laughs> but that's okay. I love you, Bonnie. Uh, <laughs> love is misunderstood. Uh, there's what the world says love is, and then there's what the word says love is. And so the world would say that love is a feeling. It's an emotion. It's a song. It's a movie. It's passion and butterflies and chemistry, but it's, it, that's not love. 
really. That, that comes along with love sometimes. Um, and there's different kinds of love, and all of us who've been in church long enough have heard about the different three Greek words for love, but I'm not going to get into that today. But the Word of God is what really defines what love is, and anybody know where we're going to go now? Well, say it like you mean it. Okay, good, yes, we're going to 1 Corinthians 13, because that's, that's where love is very clearly defined by the Apostle Paul. So let's go to that slide. Um, what love is. So turn with me in your Bibles or on your phones or tablets or devices, if you would. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm going to be using the English Standard Version, the ESV. I just like how that flows a little bit better. Um, and we're going to primarily focus on verses 4 through 7 and then also the first part of verse 8. And then we'll land on verse 13. So it's all behind me here if you want to just read it. Or you can get there with your own Bible. So let's just read this. We can read the Bible in church, right? That's good. Okay, and I promise not to go too long. Okay, here we go. Verse 1, 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Verse 4, love is, here's the definition, patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. I can amen that one, being a truth guy. Verse 7, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. I wish that was always true about me, but it's not all the time. Verse 12, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Verse 13, so now faith, hope, and love abide. Other translations say remain. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Love is the greatest. Um, if we had enough time, we could go really line by line, verse by verse here, and uh, verses one through three, basically Paul is saying, hey, you could do all these things. You could do miracles. Like, you could literally tell a mountain to jump in the sea, and loving someone is better than that. And I'm like, really? <laughs> That's better? I'd rather kind of move a mountain. That's kind of cool. Um, Paul, in chapter 12 and 14 of 1 Corinthians, talks about how prophecy is the greatest gift. If you can operate in the prophetic, if you can talk about what is to come, if you can preach the word of God and, and the life-giving word and revelation that comes with that, that's the best spiritual gift. Everyone should try to prophesy, Paul says, but love's better. It's better. And all of us should love. Loving is our job. If we can do all these things, but we don't have love, Paul says it's a big fat zero. It don't matter. You have to love. And I'll tell you guys, the last week and really three-ish weeks I've been preparing this, I have hated it. <laughs> Wait, that's the opposite of love. Because I don't love very well. I'm studying this thing and I'm going, I don't do this very well. I don't want to tell other people to, <laughs> to do this. I don't even do it very well, Lord. And it's very convicting, um, and it's challenging. 
if we really look at what love is and what it says, and we take an honest look at it, all of us are failing. We really are. Yay, happy message. <laughs> Way to go, Matt. Okay. But, but truly, we're not doing well with this. So I, I, I tried to boil this down. Again, I'm a nerd, okay? Psychologists are nerds. And um, I made my wife's dream come true. She, she said that uh, she always wanted to marry a nerd. And I'm like, well, there you go. So here's what nerds do. Nerds think about stuff, and they, f they figure out formulas, and they try to uh, make sense of things that are complicated and complex. And love is that, but it's also very simple. It really is. Why is it so hard then? <laughs> it just, it's hard, right? Let's go to the next slide here. So I, I tried to come up with a formula. Ooh, this is good. Um, I like math. I do. I just, I, usually if I have enough energy left uh, at the end of the day, I, I, I like to do math homework with my kids because it makes sense to me because... Two plus two equals four. Every time. It doesn't change. Like all the people that I counsel, I'm like, wait a minute. I thought we were talking about this. Now we're talking about that. Wait. So it's very simple and it's concrete and it's black and white. My dad and my mom are here today. My dad uh, calls himself a bean counter. He was into finances and accounting, also a Dave Ramsey guy. So what is love? Now, now if you remember anything about algebra, um, there's these things called equations. Anything on one side of the equal sign has to be the same as the other thing on the other side of the equal sign. Otherwise, it's not equal. It's not an equation. So here's the definition. Love equals you before me. Ooh, that's good. I wish that was original with me, but it's not. I'm borrowing from James McDonald. Okay, so L-O-V-E equals you before me. Hey, that rhymes. Maybe we can remember it. <laughs> Say it with me. Ready? L-O-V-E equals you before me. It's really that simple. If I put you before me, that's love. That's it. And if you flip it, because equations are fun that way, you before me equals L-O-V-E. Okay? So if you don't remember anything else about today, please remember this. And hopefully you can. This is love. It's putting others before you because Jesus put you before him when he laid down on the cross and they nailed him to it. I don't know if you've ever seen um, Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ. Holy cow, right? Like you watch that and you're like, oh, oh. like you got to look away. That's love. He knew that we couldn't pay the price for our sins. Only he could. And so he put himself before us. And I'll tell you guys, our pastors, our staff, our board, they love you every day. You, you maybe only see it on Sundays, but they put you before them. They do. Those volunteers in the early childhood ministry, they're putting you and your kids before them. They are. They're loving you by doing that. The people that fold the bulletins, our, our volunteers that count the money, those that clean the church, they're putting you before themselves. And I don't do that very well with a lot of my relationships. I do it sometimes, and I'm like, yeah, look at that. And then the three minutes later, I'm yelling at my kids for something because I'm putting myself before them, which is not love. Okay, next slide. So here's what nerds do, and psychologists especially. We, we try to develop these different ways of measuring stuff. That's just what we do, okay? And that's why I wanted to talk about personality because it's fun to try to measure that and figure it out. So um, I, I wanted to have an actual questionnaire for you, but I ran out of time. So maybe we'll put it online. I don't know. So the love litmus test questionnaire. How about that? That sounds fancy. Um, what I did is I took all of the definitions of love from 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8, and I made a list. And interestingly, there are parallels here, and there is symmetry 
And scripture has eight affirmations of what love is and eight detractions of what love is not. So go ahead and put those up there. And here they are. So love is, on the left-hand side, patient. It's kind. It rejoices with truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and it never fails. It doesn't stop. There's no resting with love. By the way, there is a verse in the Bible that says God is yeah, how about that? First John, I believe. Okay. So on the right-hand side, we have detractions, the negative things that are not love. Envy, boast, boasting, arrogance, uh, rude, selfishness, ir irritability, resentful, rejoicing, and wrongdoing. Man, I'm telling you what, uh, a lot of my words and attitudes line up on the right-hand column a lot more often than I'd like to tell you. But I'm telling you that because I'm telling you that. And if you were honest, I'll bet you can see a whole lot of yourself on the right-hand side. Oh, shoot, right? Okay, so you can look at this and these lists and, and ask yourself, am I patient? I am not. <laughs> ask my wife and my kids, like, would you, we're going to be late. Let's go. Am I kind? There's times that I am, and there's a whole lot of times I'm not. In the car with those drivers that, like, come on. The left lane is not a, it's for passing. <laughs> Can I get an amen on that? I'm just hang out there at 55. I'm like, I got to pass you on the right now. And then I'm going to be irritable, and I'm not loving. And So do you rejoice with the truth? I rejoice in telling the truth about other people. <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm a therapist. I don't know. But when someone tells me the truth about me, I don't really want to hear it because they're wrong. Usually. Well, not all the time. But that's one of the reasons why I love Pastor. Uh, Pastor Ben, I call him PB. I know that's his nickname. PB stands for Pastor Ben. And um, he challenges me. And I'm a better man because he tells me the truth. And I don't like to hear it sometimes. But I need to hear it. I don't really rejoice with it, though. Like, oh, good, I get to change that, too, because I'm not doing good with that. But that's what love does. Love's like, thank you for being honest with me. Thanks for loving me enough to hurt me a little. Proverbs 26, verse 7. You can look that one up. The wounds of a friend can be trusted. Right? If you really are someone's friend, you're going to tell them the truth, even if they don't want to hear it. Love bears all things. Um, the Greek word for that actually means to, to put up with <laughs> or to lean into. It's a building term. You can see it in Colossians chapter 3 as well, where it says you should bear with one another. Now, I'm not a builder, okay, but those of you who are, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, when you build a house and you tie in the trusses with the roof and the walls, they all kind of bear the load. They, they, they lean into each other. That's what love does. Do you lean into other people when they're hurting or when they're needing help? That's what love does. And I could go on and on, but you can probably make sense of all the rest of this. On the other side... Do you envy people? Envy is when you compare up. Well, man, they got a new car. Hmm. Wish I had a new car. Why do they got a new car? They don't deserve that. I should have a new car. <laughs> Honey, let's go shopping. Okay, right? That's envy. That's not love. You should celebrate. Hey, they got a new car. That's awesome. Good for you, Jim. I'm glad you got a new car. Do you boast? Huh, look what I did. Look at this. That's not love. Hey, look at me. That's not love. Love is you before me. Right? Are you rude? I am. Sometimes. I am. I'm not proud of that. I'm not kind sometimes. Sometimes I'm selfish. I just want my own way. Because I want it. Because I want it. <laughs> and I am irritable. Yes, I am. And I'm I'm so glad my wife is not amening right now. I love her, <laughs> honey. It's in her head. She's silently like, amen. <laughs> so 
So I am, though. You can ask my kids, like, what is dad's problem? I don't know, but he's not being very loving. Okay, so, so just, it's very simple. Think of this um, as a way to measure yourself. How loving am I? Am I doing the things on the left side? Okay, I'm, I'm pretty loving. Am I doing the ones on the right? Oh, I'm not loving very well. So let's go to the next slide. Again, our definition, our equation, if you will, is L-O-V-E equals U before me, right? Now let's talk about in equations. Ooh, the plot thickens. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm a nerd. Here we go. So me before you is not love. There's the not equal sign, right? That is not an equation. Those two things are not the same. When I put me before you, when I do what I want to do, and just run over top of you, that's not me loving you. It's not. You know, Jesus could have called some angels and said, yeah, I'm done. Nope, forget it. It's not worth it. I'm not loving them anymore. I'm not dying for these guys. That would not have been love. Um, the Last Supper, which we somewhat celebrated here today with communion. Thank you, board members, for doing that. Did a good job. Um, scripture says that Jesus, when he served them the Last Supper, it says, and now he showed them the full extent of his love. And then he taught them about what he was really doing, that this is my body that is given for you. This is my blood that is spilled for you and they didn't really get it they're like what but he put them before himself next slide so why do we so often live this way why do we put ourselves in front of other people because we're human because sin because of two things primarily because of selfishness and pride Someone once said that wherever there is sin, you can find two roots to that, and it's selfishness and pride. They're always there, always. You can't sin unless you're being selfish or unless you're being prideful. You can't. Don't try it. I'm just saying, though. <laughs> you can't, because when you sin, there's something selfish going on. One of my heroes is Noah Webster. Um, he was one of the founda founding fathers of our country, and I have a little app on my phone. It's the Noah Webster 1828 Dictionary. And here's what Noah Webster says about selfishness. Um, by the way, most of his definitions uh, and his examples have scripture as the definitions. He wrote the first American dictionary. He learned 17 languages in the 1800s. Okay, to write an American dictionary, down with Britain, up with America. We don't need an English dictionary, we need an American dictionary. And so he wrote one. 70,000 entries, it's pretty great. Okay, here we go. Selfishness. Selfish is regarding one's own interest, hmm. chiefly or solely, influenced in actions by a view to private advantage. So when I'm being selfish, it's all about me. Selfishness in its worst sense is the essence of human depravity, and it stands in direct opposition of benevolence, which is the essence of the divine character. As God is love, so man in his natural state is selfish. Yikes. Pride. What is pride? How would you define that, Father Noah? Oh, good. Here it is. Um, pride. Inordinate self-esteem and unreasonable conceit of one's own superiority in talents, beauty, wealth, accomplishments, rank, or elevation in office, which manifests itself in lofty airs, uh, distance, reserve, and often in contempt of others. So if you're prideful, you just think you're better than everybody. So why would I have to love them? I'm better than them. Oh, look, that's me before you. Wait. That's why. We have a lot of selfishness and a lot of pride. Amen? We do. And that's why we need to go to Jesus and ask him to help us 
to love. When we fail to love others, what we're actually doing is we're failing to recognize and receive and respond to God's love for us. That's what it is. When I, when I fail to love you, it's because I forgot what he did for me. Right? If I keep in mind, if I keep in view what he did for me, it makes it a lot easier to put others ahead of myself. Right? Philippians chapter 2 says, each of you should look out not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others, as if they were better than your own. Okay, that doesn't mean that our, our interests and our needs don't matter. They do. Scripture never says, don't take care of yourself. What it does say, though, is take care of others first. Put theirs ahead of you. You'll have time to take care of you. You need to do that, okay? But look out for others as more important than your own. And I don't do that very well. <laughs> and I'm preaching to you about it. Figure that one out. I don't know. But we can all grow here. We can. Turn with me to John chapter 13, if you would, please. John chapter 13, and we're going to start to come in for a landing here. John chapter 13. Hey, coming to church at 10 o'clock was kind of fun, right? Yeah, a little more time to get your hair done. <laughs> Have some breakfast. That's good. Hopefully you smell good, especially for the people. See, if you don't smell good, that's not you putting others before yourself, okay? So just a little word of advice here. Put on some smell kill, okay? There you go. Okay. John chapter 13, let's go to verse 34, okay? Uh, verse 34, John chapter 13. I'm, I'm reading from the uh, English Standard Version again, so you guys all might have the ESV but here we, or the uh, NIV. But Jesus here um, says to his disciples, a new command, verse 34, John 13, a new command I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. You know what Jesus just did here in this part of John? He just washed everybody's feet. Let me tell you what. Feet back then, it was nasty. Okay? They didn't have clean streets. They had donkeys and camels and other barnyard friends <laughs> that would use the street for whatever they wanted to. And guess what? They all had sandals on, okay? They had no closed-toed shoes and boots. So guess what's on their feet? Yeah. Guess what Jesus just did? He just, he just, the, the God of the universe just wrapped a towel around himself and went around and washed that junk off their feet. And he said, guess what? As I have just done for you, you need to do for each other. That's love. I wouldn't want to do that job. Would you? I mean, I don't like feet anyways. They're kind of nasty. I just, that's just my own thing. I don't know. But love each other. A new commandment. Now, now in the Old Testament, um, there's this thing called the Ten Commandments, right? Well, Jesus came along and said, I'm going to give you number 11. Love each other. <laughs> that's it. Put others before yourself. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Now, here's something that nerds love. Okay, go to verse 35. Now, he tells you the why. A lot of times, God doesn't tell you the why. He tells you the what. Do this. Don't do that. Do this. This time, he gives you the why. Well, why, Jesus? Why should we love one another? Verse 35. By this, loving each other, all people will know that you are my disciples. If... You have love for one another. People won't know that we are Christians by how much money we give. People will not know that we're Christians by how we talk. People won't know that we're Christians by how we volunteer, how we pray, or quote scripture, or how we serve. That's not how they're going to know. They're going to know by how we love each other. And guess what? He's talking to the disciples. He's talking to you. If you say you're a Christian, how are you loving the person next to you in your seat? How are you doing it? 
Because if you're not, people don't know you're a Christian. Now, now, now people who are not Christ followers, they ought to see how we act and go, hey, that's, I want to do that. Look at how they just, they welcomed that person into their home. They didn't even know them. What? They paid for them to get new tires? Are you kidding me? They actually had that conversation and they were nice about it? They forgave them for what? That's how they'll know. By how we love. They will know you are my disciples when you love. And I just want to challenge all of us today to consider how well we're doing with that. We're right on the tail end of 2018, and we're about to start a new year. How are we in almost 2019, right? That's, I don't know how that happened. But it did. And what better way to start the year than to reevaluate how well we're loving? When's the last time you wrote a note to somebody and just told them thank you for being you when's the last time that you gave someone a hug and just loved on them not expecting anything in return when's the last time that you bought somebody coffee or a meal or invited them over when's the last time you talked to you actually talked to your one more we all know who our one more is right When's the last time you invited them to church? How well are you loving? So, the question is, will you love? Let's go to that slide, please. So, we could resolve to love. That's the title of my message. But resolutions don't really work. Most people, when they make a New Year's resolution, they give up on it by... 18 to 21 days, it's done. They're like, yeah, I don't really need to lose weight. (laughs) I'm good. (laughs) Don't eat sugar. (laughs) That's crazy. Um, I don't really need to live on a budget. Nah, I tried that for three weeks, and that was terrible. (laughs) I couldn't buy anything. So most people give up on their resolutions. They do. You can even Google says that, okay? (laughs) Don't do it right now. You're supposed to be listening to me. Okay, so better than making a resolution, why don't we just make it our life's purpose to love? And I have a long ways to go (laughs) on that one, and chances are you do too. So let's do it together. So um, back to 1 Corinthians 13, I think it's verse... uh, Last one, <laughs> verse 13 maybe. Of the three enduring qualities that are demonstrative of Jesus' life in us, they are faith, hope, and love. And the greatest is love. We have to love. If we don't love, we might not be following Jesus. How about that? Or maybe from a distance. I think he's up there somewhere. I don't know. I'm off here doing this over here because I'm selfish. I don't know. We need to stay close to him. We need to love. Love, love, love. So how do we love? Let's, Let's go to that slide if we could, please. Okay. Pretty simple. Yes, you before me. Who said it? Someone said it. Good. Marilyn, yeah? Yeah, good job. Marilyn. Okay. How do we love? We put... Someone else before us, right? L-O-V-E equals you before me. But it's pretty simple. We put God first, right? If we're not close to God, if we're not reading his word, we're not praying, if we're not worshiping, if we're not connecting with him and with each other, we're not going to be connecting with the world very well, or with each other for that matter. So we need to keep God first. We need to make others second, right? Um, Maybe you guys have seen those wristbands I don't have the one that says this but God first other second me last or something like that yeah that's how it's supposed to be that's the order if you want to know what your priorities in your life should be God first other second me number three that's 
kind of simple, right? I'm really a simple guy, actually. Um, God first, other second, me number three. And then I want to just challenge you. This is my last slide here. I, I just want to challenge you all, uh, perhaps changing gears a little bit, to love better this year. Okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make effort at that and hopefully succeed. But focus on one word this year. Try it. Try to come up with a word of the year. Rather than a resolution, focus on one word, one theme, one verse. And pray. And don't just pick one out of the air like, I don't know, faithfulness. Okay. Uh, it might not even be a Christian word. It might be play. I don't know. Maybe you need to play more this year. It may be give. It may be who knows what. But get quiet and ask the Lord, what would you have me focus on this year? What theme do you want to make more known through me? What do you want me to study? What do you want me to focus on? Mine last year was rest. Uh, mine this year is meekness or meek. And um, I don't think I like that one already. <laughs> but I'm going to learn about it, and I believe the Lord will speak to me. So um, why don't I have the praise team come up, or Pastor Doug, maybe? Um, so, so I want to challenge you. Love better this year, okay? Love better. But focus on one word or one theme or one verse. Um, in our men's ministry that Bob has so faithfully helped to lead, um, along with Pastor and Pastor Bobby, um, for years, the men of our church and myself, I've, I've done this in my own life, we've studied 1 Corinthians 16, verses 14 and 15, which is Paul's conclusion of his letter where he says to everyone, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, and let all that you do be done in love. Verse 15, let all that you do be done in love. And we can put that on a little plaque or a sign and we can hang it in our house let all that you do be done in love well are you <laughs> are you really doing everything in love i'm not but i'm going to try to do better and as god enables me and as he enables you you can do it you won't do it perfectly because we're not god but you can do it and you can do it better so i want to challenge you get quiet get before the lord Allow him to challenge you with a word, with a theme, with one thing to think about for this year. So let's bow our heads and we'll, we'll wrap up for today. Father, we thank you that you are love. That you literally are love. Your word says God is love. And Jesus, you said elsewhere in the Gospels that no greater love has any man than this, than that he lay his life down for his friends. And so, Jesus, we are so thankful that you laid your life down for us. We remember you today. We thank you for your blood that was spilled, for your body that was given, that we might be forgiven, that we might be healed, that we might be put in right standing with you. We are so thankful that you loved the world so much that you gave. So, Father, help us to love better this year. Help us to be more like you. We admit that we, we fail. <laughs> I know I do. We fail so often at loving others. Would you help us, Lord? Would you empower us? The last song we sang in our worship time today, we sang about how, Jesus, we love you. And we do, but, Father, help us to show it better. Help us to demonstrate it. And so with your head still bowed and your eyes closed, I just want to ask a question. And no, I'm not a pastor, but I have been. I went to the Assemblies of God Seminary, and so... I know that I would not be honoring our pastor if I didn't ask a question today. And that is, are you right with God? Do you need his forgiveness? Do you need to receive his love today and what he did for you?
And I'm not going to embarrass you or ask you to come up here, but I am going to ask you to respond to the Holy Spirit. And if you do not know Jesus, if you're not sure that when you die that you'll go to heaven, I hope you're listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. And if you need to receive Jesus, I'd like you just to slip your hand up. No one else looking around, just me. Just slip your hand up if you need to receive Christ, if you need to ask him to forgive you. Thank you for that hand. Anyone else? I see those hands in the back. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. And maybe for others here, you know Jesus, you've walked with him, but you've walked away. You have strayed. You've, you've wandered. You've maybe lost your footing on the path. If you need to come back to Jesus and receive his love and forgiveness today, would you slip your hand up? Jesus sees your hand. He sees your heart too, but he also wants us to respond. Thank you for that hand. Mm -hmm. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So for those who've responded today, would you all just repeat after me a simple prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus is your son and that he died for me. I believe he has risen from the grave. I believe he's praying for me even right now. I receive your love and forgiveness. And I thank you that I am made right with you right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Absolutely. Praise you, Jesus, for that. We're going to have a little time of worship here. Pastor Doug's going to lead us in uh, a song and our worship team. And uh, as they're praying, I just want to encourage you, if you would like prayer for anything at all, um, I'd like the board members, if you'd be available, um, Greg and Jim at least, and others that are here, Ron, if you wouldn't mind coming up. Um, if you need prayer for anything, for healing, for a relationship, for your finances, if you just want to respond to the message today and ask God to, to move on your heart and help you be more loving, our board members would love to, to pray with you. Um, I'd be glad to pray with you as well, Katrinka, if you'd like to pray. You're more than welcome to pray too. So um, would you lead us in that? word and you're dismissed as we start to sing here uh, if you'd like prayer come on down and uh, those of you who want to leave you're free to go happy new year thank you for listening to this week's message from the gateway church if you'd like to find out more about our church such as service times giving and ways to get connected visit us at thegatewaygh.com